The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock podcast with your host, Dave Oscuro. Good Monday morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock podcast. My name is Dave. I'll be your host for today. And my guests this week are Liana and Jenna from the Diani Yoga Studio in New York City. Um, Jenna and Liana were gracious enough to lend their time, come on the podcast, talk about what it felt like to be a small business owner during the COVID times, um, what the future holds in store for Diana Yoga. And personally, I practice with them. I practice yoga with Diana Yoga. And it's such a great mix of, um, you know, music and the culture of it all. You know, if you're used to yoga being sort of falling into a certain stereotype, I strongly urge and recommend checking out Dhyana Yoga. Um, you can find them on Instagram. It's a different experience. And if you're someone like me, who's more into the darker side of things or heavier rock or metal or any goth music like that, I, I think, you know, and, it, and you've been wanting to try yoga or you feel like you need to do and uh, introduce a new practice uh, into your ritual work, could not recommend them strongly enough. So um, without further ado, let's welcome them to the Culture Shock podcast. Uh, for, so like for me, as, as it relates to yoga, I've done yoga off and on for years, um, up until about the point where I started to get good at it. And then for one reason or another, I stopped doing it so that when I come back to it, I've got to sort of start over. Um, but the one, the one thing that for me, I always, I I don't struggle with it, but it's just not my vibe is, is sort of the general aesthetic that most yoga studios present, right? It's very um, earthy, crunchy and kind of hippie-esque. And that's cool. I'm not against that. It just doesn't really blend with my day and day sort of aesthetic myself. When I found you all, you have a very different aesthetic, one that appeals to me personally much more. What what was the idea behind Dhyana Yoga? Like, what was the inspiration? Um, I think that you kind of, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, we didn't really, we love yoga. We've always loved yoga and we've taught yoga for years and then realized that like we're going to all these different studios and, and just something's missing. Something mm-hmm. didn't necessarily click. And we kind of, I think before we met, we just thought it was something with us as individuals. And then when we met each other, we're like, oh, you feel the same. Maybe there's more people out there like us and maybe we can provide um, a space for people like us who can get together and practice yoga, but also like be into weird dark shit at the same time. Right. Because it seems like if you ask the average person to describe what yoga is about, they would say like love and light, uh, you know, very, and when you take a class with you, either of you, um, it's a different vibe. It's a different feel. It's uh, uh, there was a really amazing class that we did. I think it was a, a lunar movement with uh, Chris Cornell, which was massive for me because I'm a big Chris Cornell fan and Heck yeah, <laughs> you know, have always really bonded over his music in a big way. Um, uh, metal, there's a whole metalation. Um, everything about sort of the aesthetic for you all is a little, it's a little cooler. It's a little more metal, it's more punk rock. And it sounds like that was not only by design for others, but for yourselves. Well, yeah, I think that also we felt that um, as 
you both described a few moments ago that kind of the love and light vibe at most yoga studios, um, it didn't really click for us either because there are so many other um, facets of the human experience that mm -hmm. we feel like, why do we need to keep this separate from our yoga practice if we're supposed to be in kind of embracing all different aspects of the human experience, you know, we, we, we're allowed to be angry, we're allowed to be sad, we're allowed to, um, to listen to metal music while practicing asana, and there shouldn't be any sort of really strict rule book saying otherwise. And that's what we hope to, um, to really get across through our company. What was the reaction? I mean, obviously, the two of you separately from one another had you know was was looking for something that fit you more personally um obviously me being halfway across the country or all the way across the country also sort of found a home there but but in your community in your immediate community what was the reaction to the style of yoga that you present it was very interesting the <laughs> least <laughs> um we we started on long island um which is where we grew up and Long Island does not have a very notorious um, alternative scene. Of course, there's metal and punk bands here. And uh, Liana grew up, you know, more in like the metal scene. And I grew up more in the punk scene, which I think is great because we can kind of cater to both of those. But mm -hmm. the reaction on Long Island came with <laughs> a lot of bumps in the road. We, we have, I say this all the time, we have a lot of Diani haters. Mm. And we've had to overcome a lot of obstacles um, because of that. But at the same time, as many haters as we come across, um, it really shows us like who, who the true Diogis are. And um, it shows us like who we are meant to be working with. I, uh, I'm from Texas and there used to be a local DJ. I was on one of the rock stations maybe or something. But before his show started, he always had a quote that I guess he must have taken from a previous show that said, if you're not pissing off somebody all of the time, you're not working very hard. And I feel like if anyone I've ever met or across my life that has accumulated a fair amount of haters, um, they're usually doing something pretty cool, usually doing something right. Otherwise, no one takes interest. We have some pretty interesting stories. <laughs> oh, share them, please, I'll, by all means. <laughs> I feel like Liana's like crawling out of her skin, wants to share. <laughs> I'm trying to think where to begin because there have been so many um, crazy reactions we've received. Um, I guess the main, uh, we had a, we, we often get reactions um, related to our merchandise too, mm. like the different designs that we choose. And um, you probably won't really find any white items in our collection right. a lot of them are dark and have bats on them and all sorts of uh designs and sometimes we get crazy internet trolls which of, of course everyone gets those but um a lot of them we happen to know oh. <laughs> um i'm trying to think what other crazy stories stick out the most jenna well, we tell this one all the time, but I think it's the most entertaining. The Trader uh, Joe's Trader one. Joe. Yes. <laughs> the Trader yeah. Joe's one. So I'll, I'll, yeah, sure. Um, I think it's funny because you pointed out like yoga studios being very like earthy, crunchy, like granola, like yeah. 
literally Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's. I'm a vegan. You're a vegan. Leanna's vegetarian. Like we love that stuff, but there is a certain kind of vibe um, with places like that. And I had a friend who um, I've known for many, many years and she was just shopping at Trader Joe's and she was, you know, going up to the line at the register and overheard the, um, the cashier telling people in line, have you ever heard of Diana Yoga? Don't support them. They're dangerous. Wow. They are the devil. Um, yeah, like they're gonna hurt you, like not in a yoga way, but in like a, like a very like witchcraft related kind of way. Um, and just like spewing out like really hateful things. And um, that my friend played dumb and pretended she didn't know who Diani was or who we are. And she's like, oh, what's, what's Diani? Like, who are you talking about? And this person just made up a whole bunch of lies, brought up um, Halloween costumes that Liana wore many years ago as like a reason not to like us. And um, yeah, just stuff it, like that. It, it's bizarre that in 2021, I. I for me personally, like I, whenever I think of society, and I should know better, but when I think of society, and maybe it's just because, especially in the year of COVID, you're sort of insulated and you're really free to just do your own thing without having to be in public often. So um, you maybe come across a lot less, but it feels so strange that that those old satanic panic tropes still exist and that people... I mean, I've looked at your merchandise. There's nothing egregious. I mean, it's not like you're doing Cradle Filth-esque shirts, um, but I would buy one if you did. Um, you know, it's like you have sort of Tim Burton-inspired things and sigils, and it's, it's you know, punk and metal influence, but it's nothing offensive, but that people would still believe that if you're not, um, if you don't have like Love, Laugh, what's the Love, Laugh, Pray or something in your on your merch, that somehow it's satanic and evil and, and you're gonna um, corrupt the youth or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. we followed up with that. We figured out who that person was. We followed up with her and we were like, listen, you're very misguided in what we, what we do. So we'd love to give you a free pass and like come check out one of our classes. You might actually surprise yourself and enjoy it. And that was met with like, I need to spiritually protect myself from these people. They're out to get me. And it just, there's wow. nothing we could do. Yeah. Well. Well, if, it, if it's one thing that I've come to realize, uh, and if nothing else in the last few weeks, is that um, when people have an objection to something that you're doing, it, it's, usually, it's usually manifested in, the root of it is generally jealousy of some sort, or uh, some sort of envy, perhaps, or something along those lines. That almost is always the reasoning behind such strong feelings. But the other thing is, I feel like we have to jump to demonizing someone before we can discredit them or in or in the effort to discredit them that we must you can't just be oh they run a yoga studio that is uh, too chaotic for me whereas the noise the, the music is too you know um eclectic for my taste it's not peaceful enough it's not soothing enough no it has to jump to they're working with the devil right. which maybe that should be a shirt design like in this in the vein of van halen but working with the devil I don't know. Maybe there's an idea. That's brilliant, actually. <laughs> I can write that down <laughs> on it. But yeah, I think that they tend to judge what they can't like comprehend or understand in a yeah. very unfair and maybe harsh jump to conclusion type way. So I think um, obviously that's one of the more extreme stories, but 
a lot of the other stories that do exist are in that vein of not understanding fully what we're doing because they've never experienced it and they judge it at this sort of um, first glance. Right. And um, I think that's where some of most of their initial negative reactions stem from. Yeah, I think those worlds, I think those worlds, uh, the world of yoga um, and maybe the world of veganism to, to some degree and, and things of that nature, they tend to go together and they, they do seem like they have a specific aesthetic assigned to them. And if you, if you like stuff outside of that, it doesn't quite fit the click mentality, the sort of the herd mentality of that. And um, I'm actually surprised that there's not more yoga studios that sort of embrace the darker side of life, that embrace metal and punk and goth music. I remember before I came across you all, I would oftentimes look on YouTube to see if I could find something alternative to what is generally presented up there. And it's very, very difficult to find anything on there. Um, I would assume along with the haters, comes those people who are like, finally, this is what I've been looking for. Yes, and, and they, yeah. they never leave. They're, those are the Diogis that are just, no matter what, through thick and thin, you know, studio or virtual, they're always gonna be there. Um, and I think, I think that it's, like I said, it makes that bond stronger. You can't find that anywhere else and you're finally like, I'm home with these people, you know? Right, absolutely. Well, and you have a discord. Uh, where many of us are sharing all kinds of irreverent things and tips and practices and recipes and memes, especially. And uh, if you hear, if anyone hears a cat, this is a cat friendly podcast. Sophie uh, is outside with mom, so she probably won't come in and make any noise. But um, oftentimes when we're doing a class, it's not infrequent to see a cat join the fray. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> And uh, maybe destroy something in the middle of class. <laughs> More often than not. Not um, out. <laughs> so you mentioned studio uh, online and in person. Uh, when, when, when did the Yana Yoga start? And if correct me if I'm wrong, there was a brick and mortar studio for a period of time before the pandemic hit. Yes. Yes, there was. So <clears throat> Diani actually became a company three years ago mm -hmm. and we started as again this started as just this idea we had in conversation in trying to connect um and create this vision that we had that would be separate from every stereotypical like yoga class so we started with pop-up events so uh -huh. we would pop up at all these sort of non-traditional locations um for instance uh oddity markets museums hair salons breweries um parks and then that started to go really well and it was really well received by again the people who could connect to that and down the line in the September of 2019 we something happened to work out where we could rent a very small sort of um what's the word I'm looking for it was a space that there was no it was almost like a yoga speakeasy Okay. So there was no sign. You had to look, you had to register, you had to find us online, you had to look for the clues. We had witches boots on the steps. So you knew you were there if you could somehow find the witches boots. You had to <laughs> knock on the door. <laughs> it's kind of like um, like you know, St. Vitus in Brooklyn. If you don't know what you're looking for, then yeah. you're not really quite sure if you're there or not. But that also is kind of the charming element to it. Um 
And so that was, our, it was just one room. We had everyone mat to mat crammed up against each other. And we weren't even open for six months until the pandemic shut us down. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that sounds like a super cool experience. Just finding this little spot, you know, finding the little clues. It's almost like a, like a labyrinth of sorts, which would just set up your practice in the search for the location. When the pandemic hit, uh, was it, I mean, obviously you couldn't, you couldn't hold in-person classes. Um, how, how, how were you able to adjust uh, that rapid? I mean, you just, you just start investing in a physical space and then the sort of the, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. It's complicated. Um, we tried before enough information was known about the virus. We tried to stay open. We tried to push it for as long as we could until legally, you know, we, we couldn't stay open and, and we continued to pay rent for months and eventually that obviously was not sustainable so we had to close and it was like a mad scramble to try to figure out what to do and um, we adapted as quickly as possible to virtual teaching which neither of us wanted to do we were super um, just not into being like recorded or seen through a, a screen in our home it felt very weird and uh, it almost felt like a weird violation to me to be like teaching from inside my my one bedroom apartment at the time and um but oh, like after a week of it we got super used to it and we we invested in an online platform at first we were working through just venmo and just throwing up random zoom links um and now we have this entire virtual schedule and as quickly as we adjusted to the life in the virtual world seems to be as quickly as now everything is going back to being in person. So it feels again like the ground is kind of being ripped out from under our feet and we're, we're trying to find our footing again, but I'm sure that we will adjust like we have in the past, but it's a little, it's a little rough. <laughs> well, and, and like you said, those who find you and who, who your practice speaks to, they stay loyal. Um, it, it feels uh, this this term sometimes very loosely gets thrown around community, but there does seem to be something of a community amongst people who who practice with you and who subscribe to you and who are on the Discord, and um, that is missing from a lot of other places. So it feels like while perhaps going virtual may not have been super comfortable in the beginning, especially when you don't have the right space. Like uh, you know, when I was in a one bedroom apartment trying to do work, you know, works, you know, as, as a filmmaker, having we just, so much work was done at home before you're shooting. And so, you know, you're at home and your wife's trying to cook and your, your dog's snoring and you've got all these distractions going on and it's very, very difficult to find a spot. Um, but if you had not switched to the virtual studio, I would not have discovered you. And I'm sure quite a number of other people would not have also, because like I said, I'm on a completely different coast than you are. Yeah, and I think that um, that's exactly it. You hear us, um, I'm sure, say in class all of the time, like broken records, take your practice off of the mat. That's where the, the yoga really begins. And I think that that you said, you mentioned the word community. And I really think that we, through whatever, through what we've done, have established a sense of community. You know, you're, you're on the other end of the country. We have students from Canada. We have students from Massachusetts. We have students from Texas all over um, who, who have developed these really close relationships and have found like this very unique sense of connection. Um, they mail each other gifts. They're, they're texting on their own 
everyone somehow remembers each other's birthdays and makes sure <laughs> to, to be thoughtful in that sense. And it's just this really, really, it's a different type of sense of community I've never experienced in any other physical yoga setting. Right. Some have even found love through Diani. Some have wow. found love through Diani. Yes, they have. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And people, those people did not live in the same state and met through virtual classes. Wow. And that really, yeah, really wonderful. That's so cool. That's, yeah. and that, and, and, you know, oftentimes you hear about all the downsides of social media or the internet, but those are instances where it, it does what it should really be doing, which is bringing people together, uh, bringing people with a shared interest together to commune for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever it may be. And sometimes deeper, longer, uh, longer term connections are formed and, and then you're off to the races. So that's really amazing. I, we started this, we are, I mean, we're still broke, but we started this. <laughs> we had no, no one investing in us. We had no savings. We were yoga teachers, like just, you know, driving from studio to studio, trying to make a buck. And so we've built our entire company through social media. There was never any like paid marketing. There was never any assistance in that. It's basically all been through Instagram and which is free. And it blows my mind when people talk about how much like social media sucks because I'm like, I have what I have because of Instagram, because of social media, I've made all these lifelong connections with people. And from the, you mentioned the discord a couple of times that you're in that started as an Instagram chat, like a group chat for the, four or five of us who would like come to class all the or the four or five of our students who'd come to class all the time and they wanted to stay connected that started to grow and there was like you know 20 30 and then all of a sudden we were like let's not do instagram anymore my phone keeps blowing up (laughs) so we moved over to discord but it just means that it's working it's growing and i think social media is amazing for that reason well it's it's funny that you mentioned earlier that there were certain haters that viewed your aesthetic and thought oh they're going to be dangerous but it's quite the opposite mm-hmm. right you're actually showing that you can transcend some of the negativity that does exist online which it does that's the reality there's good and bad with it just like there is with anything social media as a tool but i think you're showing you're proving that it can be used as a tool for good and you, you've been able to maintain a business from it and and by virtue of the fact that you started kind of with nothing it, it aligns with the punk rock music that you might play because it's a punk rock attitude. It's a DIY attitude that you've applied to your business and you're finding success in it. And I think to expand on that too, like um, a lot of our, our classes and pop-up events and um, we, we really try to, to connect to that DIY vibe so we often invite different artists to make different flyers for our classes we invite different musicians to either curate the music for the the specific class whether it's virtual or in person or even just have someone a student create the playlist for for the class of the day um and a lot of merch collaborations too with different artists who have an idea and we and we talk about it and we want to bring it to life together. Um, so we really, really feel strongly about keeping that always um, a really, sorry for the motorcycle, That's okay. <laughs> really big um, part of what we do. Well, you mentioned the merch collaborations and that's ultimately how I discovered you all. You did a merch collaboration with Damien Eccles. Um, he was doing his sigil project and that sigil product made its way to your merch. And I, and I think I said this to you when we were all having dinner at the rainbow, 
generally when Damien likes something, I feel like it's it's probably cool to like as well. You know, it's got a good taste and doesn't doesn't suffer a lot of force. So I checked this out and I said, this is cool. And I've been meaning to get back into yoga. And like I had mentioned earlier, I would look on YouTube to see if I could find something just not hippie. I mean, again, I'm not saying that any of that stuff is bad. It's just not me. And, um, and it, it, there was the synergy there and it worked and it sort of, you know, I found a place that I felt really comfortable with. Did that, do those collaborations be it with Damien or be it with other folks? Did, have you noticed um, that's helped in terms of bringing new eyeballs to your brand and to your studio? Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't know who wanted to go first. Um, Damien's in, in particular, anytime he shares anything from us, he's shared a bunch of things. Um, we get like 20 followers in that minute, you know, he, he's got a huge following. And I think, like you said, everyone that follows Damien is just kind of like, oh, if he's into something and he approves of this, then it must be worthwhile because he's so insightful. And mm -hmm. so that, that collaboration was really beneficial to us but it also it was just super fun to do and it, it was awesome and we love the merch that came out of it um yeah anytime that we work with um whether it's a musician or an artist or whatever we we definitely find we're being exposed to different communities and maybe it's just one follower that will stick or one person that will come to class and keep coming back or maybe it's you know 15 but we're always looking to expand and work with all different kinds of small businesses. And we do, you know, giveaways with other small businesses. Um, it's just a great way to stay connected with the community. I was just going to mention a couple of other people, you know, um, who have been really supportive um, through different collaborations besides of course, Damien, we also Morgan Lander from Kitty, mm. um, Ryan and Regina Cohn from the Oddities Flea Market. Um, there's just been such an overwhelming sense of support um, from certain people who believe in what we're doing that um, I think is reflected towards their audience too. Like you said, when you when Damien shares something, you believe that this is a cool thing and that, that kind of just continues to branch out um, with the other people who support us. So now that... Um hopefully knock on wood, it appears that the mandatory quarantining is coming to an end somewhat. I don't know how New York is doing right now, but LA is in like two weeks, plan on being fully open, no restrictions, you know. Yeah, we're open here. Are you? Yeah. What is the plan to reopen another in-person studio? Do you want to keep it sort of go back to the pop-up model? I mean, I know we've talked about in-person keeping the virtual studio open now at this point because it's become such a, a successful thing. But what are the next steps for you? It's hard to figure out because we obviously now people are gravitating more towards in person. That's just kind of what I think people want. And also they've been restricted from being able to do for over a year. So they're eager to get in person. The, the thing is, a lot of our students, as we mentioned before, are, are virtual students. So we'll have to figure out a way, I guess, to, to create more hybrid classes where they, the option is there to practice in person, but also virtually as well. Um, I, the second our studio closed and I found out the landlord wouldn't renew the lease, um, this was totally not our decision. We, we were still fighting to stay open, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was online that night and looking for apartments because I, I was so upset and I was like, I need to get away from here. And I moved 
a month later. So that's also another thing we'll probably have to figure out because now we're two hours away from each other. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of, of brainstorming we have to do still to yeah. figure out the next steps. It seems surprising, but we actually only just really started talking about like what the next steps might be just because it's been so like tiptoeing around like the changes and, and being hesitant to make any changes because we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. But, you know, it's been a very recent thought like, okay, we might have to start talking about doing things in person again and, and finding something halfway between us. Um, but we really, we don't know right now. But you had a, a pop-up recently, right? Or an in-person recently? The Teenagers from Mars? No, wait. It was a Misfit yeah. song. Yes, was it? Teenagers from Mars, yeah. <laughs> oh, I knew that. Okay. How did that go? I was, was that your first one in person in a while? It was so refreshing. It really was. Um, that class refilled my faith in humanity. I just have yeah. <laughs> it was just a cool little... So it was in... Um, at, at this place called Happy Valley, which is an arcade bar by, by me in Beacon, New York. Mm -hmm. um, and they have this beautiful courtyard where we just moved the tables, set up the mats outside. It was 90 degrees, uh, <laughs> hardly any shade. So it was more like a hot yoga class. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and we just played this crazy playlist. We did a typical, um, you know, tag team class that we do. And just the vibe of the students who were attending there, were, they were just so eager to, to laugh and fall and, and drink a beer after class together. And just, it was just so much fun. I can't even describe it in, in any other way than it was a super, super fun, big sigh of relief class to teach um, as our first class back in person. That's awesome. Have you, has there been any thought to, um, taking some of those live classes that you're doing and making them available also through Zoom sort of, sort of to, so virtually, so people can virtually be a part of what's happening in person? Yeah, we would love to do that. Um, we still have to kind of figure out like the logistics of doing that and getting, you know, proper Wi-Fi. Cause even here I'm like hooked up to ethernet, have the best internet ever and I, it still cuts out. So we have to figure all of that out, but yes, we would love to do that. And um, like Liana said, like, there's something that as much as I love the virtual classes and that we've we've really strived super hard to recreate the vibe of our in-person classes online and I think we're pretty successful at that um, there is a piece that's missing because there is a detachment of being behind a screen um, you know you, you wake up to teach your class and nobody's got their cameras on and nobody says good morning nobody communicates with each other there's just a little bit missing and so being able to be in person and hear people laughing and hear people, you know, like high-fiving each other when they like nailed crow pose and, <laughs> and patting each other literally on the back, it was just really refreshing. And it, that's just something that I think can't, it, it can't compete with the virtual as much as I want to say that it can be exactly the same. There's just a little bit that's different. And uh, that's, that class reminded me like why we do this because it's been a long time. Yeah, I, I found that, um, which is ironic considering that I, I work in film and I work around hundreds of people when I'm on a film set and I do podcasts on my very limited spare time. Um, I'm really shy on Zoom, I find, you know, outside of this, this kind of setting um, because I am generally one of those people who has my camera off and, and sometimes it's because I'm feeling self-conscious about my practice and sometimes it's just because... Um, just might be walking around in the background and, you know, but, but there, there does, there is a disconnect when it's online. That's just the inevitable aspect of it. 
where if everyone's in the same physical room and everyone's energies are literally bumping up against each other and overlapping, you open up in a way that you don't inherently have to if you can just click the button and your very well-crafted profile photo is showing instead of you falling all over the place or sweating after five minutes or whatever it may be. Uh, I could certainly see why, I, I would love to experience doing yoga with y'all in person to have that heightened sense of community and, and energy and togetherness and oneness. Now, see, now I'm talking like one of those earthy crunchy studios, but it's the <laughs> truth. It's true. There's something tangible there. Like you can feel it when you walk into our group classes. There's just like this, like you said, energy upon energy upon energy. And we feed off of it as teachers. When we teach online, as much as I try to like smile and crack jokes, you can't hear anyone laughing at your jokes. You can't really see in the distance if anyone's smiling in person. It's like, okay, I made a dumb joke. Everyone's laughing. It's funny. It's lighthearted. Um, and then there's also like the drinking a beer element that, you know, some online will be like, yeah, you can bring your beer to your mat if you want, uh, which also we get a lot of haters about, but hmm. just like sharing a beer with your students after class. That's a really cool way to bond yeah. um, in the in-person classes. So I really like that. Well, I, I, uh, I remember when I was younger, um, they used to, in Austin, they used to have these things called, what do they call it? Like intramural something, but basically they were, you know, as we get older, and we're out of college and we're out of high school, obviously. And, and we start, it gets harder and harder to be part of a group in a social setting outside of a bar. Um, they used to throw these things like a flag football or soccer or softball. And, you know, random people, anyone of any athletic level could join these intramural leagues and play a game. And then it always ended with a beer afterward. That was always the draw, right? Play a softball game have a beer, comes with your admission. And I, I found, I'm not the most athletic person in the world outside of martial arts, but like I found that having that sort of lightness to it, you know, some of the, some of the competitiveness is, is removed because it's really there for fun. And it allows you to sort of unwind a little bit and, you know, hang out with people in a, in a setting that you probably haven't done since you were in university or in high school. Yeah, it adds this like very human element to it where there it eliminates the competition and it asks, it invites you rather to take yourself a little less seriously. And then that, again, the, the vibe, the energy is able to catch on with everyone else who is there too. And then they take themselves a little less seriously. And then it's this chain reaction. And we're all just humans here trying to, to stretch and strengthen and have a good time and fall and get back up again and not um, get upset with ourselves for it well and i think falling and getting back up is such a hugely important life lesson um i see it all the time you see it in social media you see it in real life people get really down on themselves um sometimes because of circumstances beyond their control sometimes it's because of circumstances within themselves um and and i think as a society we're moving away from teaching people to pick themselves up and i think it probably comes from a place of empathy, but I think this, the side result is that we're not really teaching, especially young people, that it is okay to fall and it is okay also to pick yourself back up. And if you fall, um, you know, let's say crow pose is a great example, which I used to be able to do and I can't really do anymore, maybe for a second. But if you fall or, or headstands, I saw, Jen, I think you did a headstand yesterday and I was like, I remember when I used to be able to do a headstand. I'm not there yet. Um, you could, it's okay to experience a failure, so to speak, 
and it's and it is possible for you to overcome it. Um, not only to physically put yourself up or metaphorically pick yourself up, but also to to look at the falling in a positive way. Sometimes I'll do a pose and I'll fall out of it, and I can either get frustrated with myself for it, and I can be down on it, and I can be whatever. Or I can laugh at myself and I can be like, whatever. And uh, okay, goddess pose is not going that low today or whatever it may be. And, and just roll and flow. In, in jujitsu, we, we talk about, there's a lot of, uh, um, there's different ways to do jujitsu, but one of the ways is flowing versus the, the hard grappling, you know, the straining your muscles. And I feel like that introducing that flow state is important on all aspects of life. And I think that's one thing that yoga can teach you. And especially if you're not taking yoga so seriously, you take your practice seriously, but maybe not yourself seriously. Yeah. I, I think um, one of the, the downfalls of social media is that, you know, you only see the perfect pose, um, the perfect model doing the perfect pose, and you don't really see like the falling. And I think that a, a space like Diani, whether virtual or in person, we always try to encourage like actually purposely falling down so that you learn that you can get back up and you learn where your boundaries are and you learn that you can survive it. Um, and it kind of breaks you out of that like perfectionist mindset um, that I've struggled with my whole entire life. And it's given me horrible anxiety because I'm always worried about, you know, not making mistakes. And I think in yoga, oftentimes either um, we gloss over the challenging aspects and we just, you know, keep it really easy and coddle everyone so that they never have to fall down. Or um, it, it's just looked at in a different way. Whereas at Diani, it's almost celebrated. Like you fell on your face. Good job. <laughs> we are so proud of you. When we had our physical space, we've had entire classes based around falling. Like we wow. would have you set up a bolster, stand at the top of your mat, jump to chaturanga even if that's not in your practice land on a bolster and recognize that you survived it and i think that um that's super important and at the end of the day we want to teach that it's more about you you gave yourself permission to to try it whether you succeeded or or didn't succeed quote unquote um and you came out even like one percent stronger for it right right absolutely if nothing else mentally mm -hmm. There's something, uh, I'll, I'll use another jujitsu analogy. In jujitsu, you get choked out a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, hopefully not unconscious, but it does happen. And it is so humbling, you know, to try something and to get caught and to get choked and to tap out is essentially an admission of death. This, If this was a real combatant, I, I have died now. And you do that a bunch of times, like thousands of times. Um, but you always come out a little bit better for it. And eventually you'll get that time when you don't get submitted and you'll, you'll have that victory. And, it, and it's built upon the hundreds of times you were submitted before you could. So, you know, doing crow pose or doing um, a headstand or whatever it may be, all those times you fall all build towards that one time, that one day when you won't fall. And, and it won't be like your success came out of nowhere. It would literally is built on every time you fell head for face first or head first into your mat. Yeah. And I think that that's also where we differ from other places is because, um, you know, it, it's told and it's practiced time and time again, practice non-attachment. So if you, if you do nail your crow pose, then 
blank face, like don't have a reaction to it, where we're kind of saying, yes, don't attach to it, but also celebrate momentarily the small victory of something that you had to fall on your ass multiple times to eventually get to. Speaking of crow pose and falling, the way that I literally learned crow pose was to cover my floor in pillows um, mm. and just keep keep jumping into it, not jumping, you know, doing it carefully, but keep popping into crow pose over and over again, knowing that every single time I was literally face planting, I just made it a soft landing with all the pillows. And then eventually, you know, my fingertips started to pull into the ground and become my brakes. And I was able to look forward off of a pillow and I was like, oh, this is curl pose. But like you said, without all of those like hundreds of times falling on my face, I wouldn't have been even courageous enough to put myself in that position. Yeah, cause it is scary. Mm -hmm. It is certainly scary when you start to lean forward and you have to recognize like, if I lean too much or if I don't hold myself, uh, there's very little safety net there. You're, you're going to fall face first. Um, and that's just one of those things that you do eventually get beyond once you've done it enough times and you fall enough times that you realize it's not that bad. Right. And I think that that's sort of a metaphor for life when we have struggles and it feels like the end of the world and, or people are picking on us or we lost our job or there's a worldwide pandemic and our business suddenly is turned upside down you recognize that it's just another instance of falling and just like any other thing in your life and certainly in your practice you could just pick yourself back up just like you've done a million times before that confidence is sort of built within you uh for those people who may not be familiar with yoga terminology like someone asked me what kind of yoga is it and i and i don't know i never i never learned really the differences i've done a bunch of different types from a bunch of different teachers um how would you describe Dhyana yoga? I would say alternative vinyasa yoga. Okay. Where we're linking the movement to the breath, but we do, you know, offer a variety of different classes such as yin yoga, um, which, you know, you know, from taking my lunar class, mm -hmm. um, it starts with yin poses and then we move into moon salutations. We offer a restorative class that one of our teachers um, teaches on Sunday nights. Um, we try to keep the schedule pretty pretty diverse and have options for everyone and and i think that we truly believe that there is an option for everyone and we want our schedule to reflect that because sometimes sometimes the, the classes with a lot of crow pose and chaturangas and falling on maybe that's not for everyone um but maybe a yin practice where you're tuning inwards for a little bit longer, holding shapes for a little bit longer, able to decompress from a really long work day, maybe that is the type of practice for you. And regardless of what type of physical practice it may or may not be, um, we try to stay true to our roots of having always a really cool playlist for you or um, a really important talk at the beginning of the class that you can connect to and things of that nature. Well, and I think um, we should talk about the playlist because that's definitely a very cool part of practice with you all. Uh, what, what is, what are some of your favorite playlists, Jenna? I think I'm almost going to know yours. Um, <laughs> what are some of your favorite playlists that you've put together, and what are some of the playlists that you would like to do but maybe haven't yet? And then I think we should also address the fact that what are some of the playlists you've done that people have uh, had some issues with. Um, so yeah, you definitely know my, I have two favorite playlists because they're both my AFI classes that I did. <laughs> um, a while back, I did Fire Flow to a Fire Inside, which was called Love Your Hate. 
Um, and that was more, um, it was a faster moving class. Fire Flow is our signature Diani Vinyasa class. So lots of arm balances, inversions, core, uh, crazy sequencing. So I used some of their faster music from uh, every era of AFI, my favorite band in the world. And then more recently, as you attended, um, I did Escape from Los Angeles, uh, also AFI Yoga, but I did the sing, post, uh, sing the Sorrow and Post Sing the Sorrow songs only to kind of poke at the haters because Diani's all about, you know, the haters. So <laughs> on anything post Sing the Sorrow. So fuck it, here we go. <laughs> nice. To everything that you wouldn't think you would flow to in an AFI class. And uh, yeah, those are my two faves. <laughs> Liana? Um, so actually, right before we flew out on our vacation, I taught, and it took me years to, to be able to teach this because it meant so much to me that I, I hesitated so many times um, to teach my She'll Come Back as Fire Nirvana Fireflow class. Um, they are my, my band that mm -hmm. is just my heart and soul and has always been since I was 12 years old. Um, nothing has changed <laughs> over time. Um, and so that was like really big for me to be able to finally put that out there. And I, I worked very hard on the particular arrangement of the songs. And it was more of like the angrier, louder, faster side of Nirvana. Um, and some of my favorite playlists that I make for Diani, other than that one in particular, are, I'd have to say are my Chaos Cauldron mm -hmm. um, Power Vinyasa playlists that I offer on Thursday nights. Um, and you'll find bands like the Melvins and Jesus Lizard and um, Smashing Pumpkins, Alice in Chains. And that's that's all my favorite type of music. And you'll find this crazy mixture of that in those playlists. Awesome. And and playlists you'd like to create that maybe you haven't quite yet? So I have a really long list. I can't think off the top of my head, but I have just been adding to a list of <laughs> ideas for playlists that I want to do. Um, for months, maybe for, for longer than that. Um, it's just a matter of like not having enough time in a week to get everything done that we want to do. Um, but I'm, like I said, more into like punk and, and goth music more so than metal, although I do like metal as well. So I've got um, all kinds of bands. You probably would know all of them, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head, um, except my boyfriend is or was pre-pandemic in a band called Aunt Ange, and mm -hmm. they sound like what a Tim Burton movie looks like. Oh. Um, and I think it would be really cool to do a yoga class to their um, music, but it's just, again, just a matter of getting my shit together and organizing it and making it happen. But that will be coming. <laughs> Well, that's, I think that's one of the cool things, you know, to take the silver lining of what, of this pandemic is that it has given us more time to do things uh, and, and think about new ways of doing things. It's forced us to find ways to fill our time. Even if you have a nine to five job, I, I've read article after article about how, uh, you know, people during the work, during the work hours, people are doing all kinds of other things instead of work. And to me, that just shows that you probably didn't have eight hours of work to do every day. Anyway, you're just probably stuck in an office and forced to do busy work to justify being there for that long. Probably the average person really only has four to five hours of work. And, and that's all the, the actual work that they need to do can probably be done in four to five concentrated hours instead of eight to nine or 10 drawn out hours. Um, so with us all returning to working from home, it's given us 
you know, not everyone, but it's certainly given a lot of people extra time to fill. And we have a choice on how to do that. So some of these more creative ideas, maybe you might not have had the time to do if you were running from studio to studio to studio, yeah. taking your classes um, and then and then being in the commuting, you know, commuting everywhere. And then you get home and you're just, you're wiped out and you pass out. That that was our lives. Like we, <laughs> we would work, work ourselves literally sick um, between the commuting and the, the going from studio to studio. We would we were not I living myself the other year from working a disgusting amount. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I feel like I've heard yoga instructors tell me like some of them get paid like per class, like 50 bucks per class. And so like, you know, to make a, a day's wage, you've got to do like six or seven classes, oftentimes in various studios all across the city, just to, just to get a decent wage out of a day. And you have to do it every single day. Yes, and fifty dollars would be wonderful, but nobody <laughs> is making that much money per class. Wow! Um, unless you, you know, you've put your time in. Um, yeah, it wasn't healthy, and the the pandemic really showed me that I don't want to ever go back to living that way. Um, and I'm really grateful, although you know, I wish the pandemic didn't happen, of course, and that people didn't get sick. I'm really grateful for the time that I had to. Um, just look at the way I was living and make those changes. And although there's so many ideas that I didn't get to do yet, we got to do so much fun shit this past year or two that we wouldn't have been able to do before. And I think that that also is a really good point um, using that whole like traveling everywhere and making $50 a class like, and again, that being generous. Um, that's another reason why we created Diani too is because we saw the treatment of yoga teachers through our own experience at all of these different spaces where there was really, really no freedom, actually. Like we could never <laughs> put one of our playlists that we have on our Spotify and play that in a class um, at a different space or um, any of the ideas that we come up with, we could never bring that to life anywhere else. And we kind and also just the general treatment of um, you're, you're being paid oftentimes like 25 bucks for a 75 minute class. Wow. And then also you have to stay and clean the studio. And then also you have to lock up and also get here a half hour early and not be paid for that extra half hour early. And, and just this, this treatment of, of yoga teachers, there's, there's really a big problem um, with the treatment of, of a lot of yoga teachers out there. So we kind of got together and we're like, okay, time is up, F this and, and let's work for ourselves. Even if we have to struggle, um, it's, it's more worth struggling than being treated this way. Well, and I've always found that, you know, from the struggle, you'll find success if you, if it's something that you're passionate about. When I transitioned from working retail management, most of my twenties into being a filmmaker, like at 27 or whatever, however old I was, um, I had no connections to any of it. And I was very poor for like four years straight. I mean, really I'd, I'd go stock makeup at Sephora in between film jobs to keep paying rent or uh, you know, whatever it may be. And, but eventually you do break through because you're passionate enough about it that it will, doors will open inevitably for it. Um, and I think that be, because beyond just drive and passion, there's also a sort of a, a, a spiritual and magical component to your practices. You're really you're really manifesting your own destiny through your workings, be it both physically and through, you know, magic practice. Yeah, I try to, um, I try to be mindful, although sometimes it can be really difficult when 
when things get hard, um, you know, it, it can be hard not to get down about it, like the changing of the situation with the pandemic or losing the studio. But I try my best to catch myself and be like, you know, the energy that I'm putting out there is gonna reflect what I'm manifesting. And uh, there's some, just something I'm working on is like not allowing my situation to bring me down so much where I'm attracting more negativity. Um, and it's a struggle, but I no, just felt like riding it out, you know? No, absolutely, absolutely. It's, um, it's, but, but that's the human aspect of it, right? And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy about yoga is that it does sort of mirror what your life is in a lot of ways if you allow yourself to make that connection. Um, I want to share a story. I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, but one of the very first classes I took with you all, um, I think it was a meditation class and then sigil making. Mm -hmm. uh, Liana, I think you were teaching it. And this house that I'm in, that I'm renting, um, in Los Angeles, finding a house to rent is impossible. And uh, even to rent, much less buy, forget that's not even a reality. And certainly if you have a bigger dog, it's even that much harder, especially in a, a decent area. And we'd been looking for a while and um, I took the class and we did a sigil and my sigil was, I, I want, um, I have a temple to do magic. That was my sigil because it wasn't asking. It was just, it was manifesting as though it was already, had already been manifested. And a week later, within a week, we saw this place. I sent a message to a person. And I think within a week later, she approved us. And, um, and here we are, like a couple months later, we were in a house for the first time in years for me since I left Texas. And that, that was not only a, a sort of strengthening in my belief that magic works, but also that there was a shared energy through that class that I really do think aided in that manifestation coming to, you know, coming to happen, coming to occurring. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that story. I'm so happy that that happened and that it worked out for you and that it happened to be in one of our classes. It's awesome. You all have a big event coming up uh, relatively soon that you just announced uh, at the time of this recording, which is uh, we talked earlier about in-person classes you're doing something you're doing a retreat in salem is that correct yeah 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 when is that and, and tell me about that event because it's obviously it's a big deal so it's so last year um was a little weird because of course covid was still a very high risk um so we had to have a lot less spaces available everyone had to you know prove that they were healthy everything was like we tried to distance as much as we could. This year, we're able to open up a few more spaces and the yoga classes are going to be held at the Satanic Temple in Salem. That's, that's so cool. Yeah, so we're really, really excited about that. Um, again, it's another non-traditional yoga class location that we're super excited to add to the list. Um, it's going to be October 1st through the 3rd, a Friday through a Sunday, and there are multiple class times to choose from. Um, you can choose to stay for the entire th uh, the three days. You can choose to take a single day retreat, or you can choose to just drop in for the class and then figure out your own arrangements. So, Well, in honor of that, I am drinking my coffee out of my uh, Temple of Satan mug. Oh, so cool. And and I believe my certificate is uh, right here from a long time back. 
So really cool that you're working with them. Uh, I don't know what it's going to do in terms of haters justifying that you work with uh, the devil, but if you if you do in fact create that working with the devil shirt, I can't think of a better time to launch it than then. Yeah, I did notice we just put out an email blast as just a reminder to um, anyone who hadn't seen the Instagram post about our retreat to Salem, and we very instantly got a bunch of unsubscribes. Um, wow. from our mailing list from people we actually know like people were you know we know in person which was a little bit surprising but it's okay it comes with the territory um and just another thing to note about the retreat because not all of our students believe it or not are even interested in yoga um some some students you know just practice with us on sundays when we have our weekly tarot reading with our guest teacher angie um, and she'll be on the retreat providing readings. We're going to do little rituals in the B&B space, meditation. So there will be a lot more than just yoga, um, which is something that's really important to us as a, a studio. We offer much more than just yoga. Um, and this, this retreat will be a nice blend of yoga and magic. And last year was a blast. And I'm sure it's going to be 10 times better just because we can have some more people, more classes, more room. And because it's Salem in October, which some, some people are already hating on, but I'm super excited. But it sounds like such an amazing experience. And uh, there's an energy around Salem and October and the cool air that will inevitably be hitting hopefully around then. And being in a shared space and being in a space that has, you know, uh, its own energy around it, being the satanic temple. And I think all of those things combined can create a pretty magical experience for anyone who is able to attend. Are, are, at the time of this recording, are there tickets still available? I know you guys were really close to selling out. The full retreat, the three-day passes are really, really close to selling out. That's our most limited um, pass. And then we still have some single days and we have yet to open up the drop-ins for just the yoga classes at the temple. We'll do mm. that once all the other spots are filled up so that our retreat um, ticket holders can pick their classes first um, and then the rest will be open to the public so there will be space if you're local to if you're listening and you're local to Salem to just drop in and, and pop in for a class hopefully that's so cool that's so cool. well I recommend if if anyone has the means um, check out this event I think it's going to be super cool and if they're if they're not able to make it to Salem for various reasons um, dianayoga.com is your website sign up for the virtual classes, uh, check out the merch. It's really cool. Don't listen to haters. It's awesome. And uh, I, I, I recommend anyone who has any interest in yoga at all to, to take a class with one of you or both of you, because um, I think you'll find it exceeds a lot of expectations in terms of what yoga can be. And I think it can provide uh, an opportunity for folks to enhance their life in a way that maybe they're not getting from other sources. Thank you so much. We're so happy to have, have connected with you and found you too. Well, thank you so much. I loved having you on. Um, I, I think you all are so great. I think your studio is amazing. Like I said, I strongly recommend people check you out. Just take a class, just one or two classes and, um, and see what yoga can be. It, it can be different. Things can be done in a different manner. And I think what you're cultivating has merit. And I wish you all the prosperity in the world. And I hope that it continues to grow and that one day you're able to have your physical space back with your little witch shoes as well, because that would just be a cool experience. And, um, and for it to transform and to manifest in the ways that it is meant to be and that you continue to 
be successful in this and for it to grow. Thank you so much. Go ahead and plug all your, whatever social media that you want to plug now so people can find you. Yeah. I mean, mainly we do everything through Instagram. So it's Dayani Yoga, D-A-A-Y-A-N-I Yoga. Um, And it's dayaniyoga.com. Our virtual studio, if you want the direct link to our calendar to book classes is virtualstudio.dayaniyoga.com can join us on discord although i don't know how to, how to, shout <laughs> how to access that Messages on instagram we'll send you the direct discord link invite you to our little um our little chat where we again talk about cats memes recipes and all sorts of crazy topics yeah and we're also on facebook and um another great way to stay up to date is just go on our website and join our newsletter and you'll get emails pretty much only once a month with updates about events and new merch. And once again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Please check out Dion Yoga and thank you all. Have a great afternoon. Have a great one. Thank you. I want to thank everyone once again for listening to our podcast with Liana and Jenna from Diana Yoga. And I want to leave us with a little blurb that I got from their website, which I think really sums up everything that Diana Yoga is all about. Diani, meaning supernatural female being, serves as their inspiration to create a cauldron of diversity and strength without limitation. They believe that the yoga experience can be enhanced by embracing all sides of the human experience. Rather than focusing so hard on letting go of the things that might make us uncomfortable, both the good and the bad, sacred and evil, quiet and loud, regular and bizarre, Dhyana Yoga encourages people to tap into their internal fire. However, it may be ignited and use it as a catalyst for change, transformation, and growth. And I think that is something that all of us could sort of use in this world that has been um, so devastated by COVID and politics and all the other things that can bring us down. Having that kind of practice and mindset facing the world is something that can only enhance our experience in this life as well as deepen our magical practice. So thank you once again, ladies. Really appreciated the time. And for all of you, thank you for listening. Until next time, gold rings on you all.